All right, good morning. Speaking of you, version, I was laying in bed this morning, had my devotions in Psalms chapter 4. It says, You have given me greater joy than those who have abundant harvests of grain and new wine. In peace, I will lie down and sleep, for you alone, O Lord, will keep me safe. I just felt, I just felt led to lead that, to, to lead with that, to read that to you this morning. Let me read verse 7 again. You have given me greater joy than those who have abundant harvests of grain and new wine. Isn't God a great God? You got a great God to just see that, uh, that you know, that, that $50,000 over and more coming in. That, that's, he, this has nothing to do with my sermon. This is all freely. Uh, and, and, and so don't, so stop my time. Uh, you know, it, it, it just amazes me throughout my life. You know, we've done some crazy things from mission fields to, to working with drug addicts, and things like that. And, and we have lived from paycheck to paycheck. And I have watched God. Anybody else here watch God piecemeal you through life? You know, like, uh, you, 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 no way to make it. And then that $300 insurance check comes in. Or, or so, has anybody else seen that? Raise your hand if you're here. If you've just seen God piecemeal your life together, man, he just does it. He just orchestrates it. David said, I was young, but now I'm old. I've never seen the righteous forsaken or the children begging for bread. Well, welcome, friends and family. Welcome to those joining us online and welcome our Branchville campus. I am burdened more than usual to speak to you today, which is really funny because I didn't realize I was speaking until Friday night. Daryl called me Thursday and said, hey, buddy, I'm in Miami. Don't think I can get on a plane. I might need you. I'll let you know Friday morning. I said, okay. Call me up Friday morning because, man, I'm good. I'm coming home. I said, fantastic. Call me up Friday night. I can't make it. But, I, but I, I feel like the Lord has been burdening this message on me. I always love being up here. I, 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 I appreciate any opportunity to speak and to speak God's word. But today, more than ever, I want to share something with you. I want, I want 2021 to be the best year of your life. I really do. He, here's what God has been laying heavy on my heart. I want to encourage each and every one of us, of you, to make it a priority in 2021 to grow closer to God and to become more obedient to God. I want to encourage you to take your, your whatever, wherever you are with God, to take your relationship to the next level. And here's why. Because I fully believe that there is a better life waiting for you. Let's pray and begin. Father, I love you. I'm burdened, Father, to be up here. I am. I, I want to be here. I want to say this, but it, it's never what I have to say. It's what you have to say. So, Father, I, I'm, I'm, I'm begging you to speak, to preach, to teach. It's not what I have to say. Holy Spirit, come. Open our ears to, to those here, to our Branchville campus, to those listening online now and later. Uh, just please, Holy Spirit, just, just, just breathe into it. Breathe into it. For I ask it in Christ's name, God. Amen. Why am I burdened this way? Well, lately I've been doing a, a lot more counseling than usual with people who are dealing with some sort of depression or anxiety. Lots of them are just trying to hang on from day to day. Some are very confused as to what their next move is, what, what they should be doing right now. And I'm not only talking about counseling with church members or newer or current friends. I'm counseling with and talking with friends that I've known for 30 plus years talking with family and family members who are dealing with things. I'm even talking with several pastors across the country and even the world who are battling feelings of anxiety and depression. It seems that more than ever, people are struggling with life, struggling just to exist. 
But here's the deal. I don't want to simply exist. Simply existing is not enough for me and it shouldn't be enough for you. I I don't want to get up in the morning or find myself laying in bed at night thinking, you know, well, uh, I'm, I'm I'm just trying to make it, God. I want to say, man, I can't wait until tomorrow. I can't wait to see what God's gonna do. I don't want to exist. It's not enough. I want to do more than that. I, I've added a request to my daily prayer routine, a, da- a request that I've made from time to time and over the years, but now I find myself saying it each and every day to God. I have started praying, each, saying this each day, God, I don't want to endure life. I want to enjoy it. I don't want to exist. I want to thrive. I don't want to just try to make it through another day. I want to look forward to today and tomorrow. I want peace and joy to be an integral part of my very existence. And here's the great news. This ought to bring you, put a smile on your face. Face, the Bible tells us that joy is absolutely possible. It's out there. It's a gift that God wants to give us. I read verses all the time, like, like I read you this morning, or, or like Philippians chapter 4, verse 4, always be full, full of joy in the Lord. I say it again, rejoice. How about 1 Thessalonians chapter 5, where Paul says, always be joyful. Never stop praying. How about John 14, 1, where Jesus said to his disciples, don't let your hearts be troubled. Trust in God and trust also in me. Not only is joy possible, but the Bible tells us that joy and peace are fruits of the Spirit. Well, what does that mean? I've, I've heard that phrase. What does it mean? How do you define a, the fruit of the Spirit? Well, it simply means what happens or what you get when you get closer to God. It's an outpouring of the Spirit into your life. You know, the, the term blessed means that God intervenes into your day-to-day life to interject a joy and a peace that otherwise without Him wouldn't be there. Uh, These are gifts that come to those who are serious about their relationship with God. Galatians chapter 5 verse 22 says, but the Holy Spirit produces this kind of fruit in our lives. Love, joy, peace. Hey, I'm happy with just those three. Patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. There's no law against these things. Joy and peace are possible. In fact, Jesus himself said he wanted you to have that. John 10, 10, he said, the thief's purpose is to steal, kill, and destroy, kill, and destroy. My fear is that the thief, the devil, is winning. He, he, he wants you to be miserable, to steal, kill, destroy, steal your joy, steal your peace. But Jesus said, but my purpose is to give them a rich and satisfying life. And I want that for you and me. I, I don't want to endure life. I want to enjoy it. I don't want you I I love you people, and I don't want you to endure life. I want you to enjoy it. I want 2021 to potentially be one of the best years of your life. How? How do you do that? I'm telling you, the Lord has just been just burdening me, pouring this into me. Today, I want to encourage you with all of my heart to get more serious about your walk with God. To begin to develop a closer relationship with him. Because as I'm telling you that I don't want just to endure life, God is making it more and more clear, more and more evident to me that the only way to drastically increase my joy 
and my peace is to get drastically closer to him. Now, please hear this. I'm not just saying this because I'm a pastor or I'm paid to think that way or because that's what I'm supposed to say. Most of you know I never say what I'm supposed to say. I, I told Daryl that I, I'm also preaching, believe it or not, at a church in Connecticut via, via, satellite, or via film today. And I told Daryl that I'd made one verbal mistake. And Daryl said, if that's the only mistake you make, we're good. I never say what I'm supposed to say. But as we enter into 2021, I want to encourage you to make this the year where you get very, very serious about your relationship with Jesus. It's time to let nominal Christianity Go, because nominal Christianity brings nominal peace. Let's dig into God's word a little bit and see how, how we can make that happen. Matthew chapter 20, uh, Jesus has just told his disciples, he's, he's headed for the cross. It's really soon. It's, it, it's right in the distance, and he's talking to his disciples about that. Verse 20, for, uh, Matthew 20, 20 says, Then the mother of James and John, the sons of Zebedee, came to Jesus with her son. She knelt re respectfully to ask a favor. Re I don't know how you kneel respectfully to ask a favor, but that's what she did. What is your request, he asked. She replied, in your kingdom, please let my two sons sit in places of honor next to you, one on your right and the other on the left. The mom of two of the disciples come to Jesus and, and he asked what she wants and she replied, I want honor for my sons. I want prestige. I want recognition. I want my family placed above everybody else's family. And after all, her sons had traveled with Jesus for more than three years. They had camped together, witnessed him feed masses, watched him raise the dead, heal the sick, and cast out demons. See, Jesus was a rock star when he walked the earth a little more than 2,000 years ago. Those of us who know him personally now, we recognize that he's the king of kings, the Lord of lords, our, our savior, the beginning and the end, the alpha and the omega, the creator God. But most people didn't realize when he, was, when he walked the earth over 2,000 years ago that he was that, that he was God. But thousands flocked to him anyway. Why? Well, because he was the guy who fed them. He healed them. He loved them. He, he talked about freeing them from their sins. He ate with prostitutes and notorious sinners. He treated, let me encourage you to start doing this. He treated the worst of society with incredible dignity and respect. He loved them no matter where they were on the societal chain. And the crowds loved him back for it. And see, James and John had gotten to be a part of that. People knew who they were. In fact, Jesus had given him them the ability to heal the sick. Jesus, no doubt, if there was a rock band, he was the lead singer. But they were rock stars just because they were close to him. And they liked that part about following Jesus. They loved the friendships that came along with, with his being a part of his traveling church. They loved the recognition, the free food, the fame. I don't blame them. I can't remember what famous preacher said that the reason it's the, it, it's the honor of the thing that drives me to the stage. I don't blame them. And their mom wanted their glory to be extended for eternity. But here's how Jesus, he didn't rebuke. Here's how he responded to her request. Matthew 20, verse 22. But Jesus answered by saying, you don't know what you're asking. 
Are you able to drink from the bitter cup of suffering I'm about to drink? Oh, yes, they replied, we're able. I find this question he asked to be just a little bit frightening. I love, I, I mean, I love to read the verses about blessings. And if I do this, I get blessings. But then every now and then the Bible, the apostle Paul or Jesus or somebody throws in and with this peace will come trials and suffering. And I'm like, I kind of, I, I, I skipped that a little bit. And this scares me. Before we go any further, I, I want you to know that I do see God as an incredible, loving and gracious God. I, I see him as, know him as my deliverer. Uh, and I don't mean just from hell. If all you're looking at Jesus to deliver from your hell, then you don't know Jesus. I, I believe wholeheartedly when I die, I'll go to heaven because I've accepted the fact that Christ died on the cross to pay for my sins. I've called upon him. But man, God delivers me day after day. He is my constant deliverer because sometimes I, 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 am, an, I am an idiot. Last week I told you I was fat. This week I told you I'm an idiot. And really, I don't have a self-esteem issue, I don't think. But man, I say stupid things. I do stupid things. You ever, you ever, you ever just sit back and in your mind go, don't say that, don't say that, don't say that. And then you say it just as fast as you can. That's me. And God delivers me constantly. Times when I should have been punished, there's grace. And he's a provider that has been incredibly generous to me and my family over the years. I mean, it's ridiculous. When we lived in LA, we did not have a steady income and we were feeding up to 70 kids every week. I was taking kids to Starbucks and leading them to Christ. And we had no income. Our rent in a 1,500 square foot house was $2,800 a month. And it was a dump. And if you said, Rick, how did you pay the rent every month? I have no idea. I have no idea. Except that there's this incredible provisional God. That's God. However, lately it has begun to occur to me that the more serious I get about following God, the more serious he gets about using me. And there's almost a sense of danger. What if he wants to send you to a mission field? Or what if he tells you that it is your job, not just to bring somebody to church, but to open your mouth and to lead somebody to Christ? Or he asks you to take, or me to take a strong stand for what is right but we know it's going to cost us some close friendships. See, the more serious I get about telling God to change me and to change my life, the more serious he gets about changing me. And folks, that's scary and costly, but it is a cost that I wholeheartedly encourage you to pay. If, you, if, if your love for God is only based on what you can get from God, then your Christianity is of little value to the world around you. If you're only in it for fire insurance, then the fruit of the Spirit is something that will always pass you by. And the best you can hope for is existence. Let me give you an example. One of my former students, this, this is true, called me a couple of months ago. He, he, he was with me in Louisville. He had moved to California. He's back in Louisville. He, he called me a, a couple of months ago, and he tells me that he is no longer concerned about meeting the needs of others and that God is okay with that. He, he's listening some philosopher who's telling him that he needs to focus on himself. He told me, I don't need to reach out to anybody. I don't even respond to texts. He said, there's, there's a girl that I really like and I'm interested in her, but she texts me and calls me and I don't have to respond to her. He, he didn't have to let anybody know that he loved him or talked with God. 
He told me that the way he was going to get closer to God was to focus only on himself. And when he got himself right, he would reach out to others. That is, by the way, the biggest load of garbage that anybody can ever spout. When I got off the phone with him, I dropped to my knees in prayer. I was terrified. I've talked to people over the years on phones or in person, and they said some things to me that terrified me for them. I dropped to my knees because I knew that he had just given me a recipe for isolation, loneliness, and depression. See, a person who is the center of their own world is living in a world that is way too small. My, my grandson Diesel has this little baby pool and I, I, it just dawned on me. I should have brought this picture of this summer, me laying in the baby pool, sticking outside. Guess what, folks? It was way, Diesel sitting on my stomach. His world was huge. Mine was way too small. A person who is the center of their own world is living in a world that's way too small. Well, a few weeks later, I texted him. I'm praying for him every day. And I told him my family missed him and we would love to see him. And this was his reply. Sorry, I can't meet your needs right now. Yeah, yeah, exactly. He existed for what he could get from God and others and when he wanted it. But about two weeks ago, he called me in a panic. He, he, had, he had had some crazy dream where, where someone had told him and screamed in his face and told him he was going to hell. And he was afraid that she might be right, even though he has known Jesus for years. He told me that he wasn't sleeping, and he asked if he could come over to the house. I resisted the urge to say, sorry, I can't meet your needs. <laughs> I'm just kidding. I was thrilled to be there for him. I wanted to be a part of meeting his needs. When he showed up in my house, it looked like he hadn't slept in days. Like we were talking. He could barely stay awake. And I, I even left the room at one point. I said, buddy, why don't you rest for about you know, 20 minutes or so? was crying. I wanted to be a part of meeting his needs. So he came back out and we, he and I prayed together fervently. And I, I honestly felt this kind of evil presence surrounding him. Sometimes, sometimes when we depart from God and we kind of shrug him off, we pick up something else. He repented uh, of, of making life all about him. And, and when he left my house, he, he was a changed guy. I encouraged him to put worship music on Spotify and to start reading through the Psalms. I've talked to him several times since then, and he's doing great and loving life. He just moved so far away from God that he couldn't see God anymore. How about you? I want 2021 to be potentially one of the best years of your life. But how? I'm encouraging you with all of my heart to get more serious about your walk with God. To, to begin to develop a closer relationship, even to make him and others, others a top priority in your life. I'm personally telling God that I don't just want to endure life. And it's become more and more clear that the only way to drastically increase joy and peace is to drastically get closer to him. See, some people just don't understand true Christianity. They get very angry when God doesn't answer every prayer as if he's some sort of cosmic vending machine, like, like the Coke machine or the Pepsi machine outside of Walmart. I drop a couple quarters in, I push the button, I get what I want. I pray, I press the button, I expect answers. But here's the truth. We were designed to be God's vending machine. We were designed to bring him joy. 
I want to go where he wants me to go and do anything he wants me to do. I I want to be able to drink from the Lord's cup, whatever the cups are, and, and I hope you do too. A while ago, I was sitting in church just caught up in worship. You know that feeling? It seems like worship, it seems like worship takes you to the throne, doesn't it? Sometimes. I mean, just get caught up. That's why I told him to, to, to put, to put, I said, cast, I said, put Casting Crowns Radio on Spotify. I started praying that as, as I'm caught up in worship and I'm feeling amazing, I started praying that God would bless me until I couldn't stand it any longer. I told him I just wanted to feel his presence. I didn't want it to, to end. I was like, Lord, just pour, just pour. But the more I prayed for God to pour out on me, to bless me, the more I found my, my prayer changing to know God. Let me pour out on you. Let me be an incredible blessing to you. Let me give you all that I am. Lord, I, I, I want to exist for you. I want to love you. I want to worship. I want to praise you. Jesus said, seek first the kingdom of God and everything else will be yours. Jesus asked James and John, are you able to drink the bitter cup of suffering? I'm about to drink. They responded, oh yeah, we're able. Are you willing to drink from the Lord's cup? Listen, before you say yes and truly mean it, count the cost. I know and believe with all of my heart that saying yes to Jesus is where life goes from existing, existing to thriving. It's where you make the leap from enduring to enjoying. What did Jesus mean in Matthew 20 by the cups that he would drink from? Well, can, can I look like him no matter what it costs me? Even if it means taking strong stands against evil or opening my mouth and sharing Christ with those around me. Can I love him no matter what it costs? What if he wants me to swallow my pride and seek forgiveness from someone I have wronged or, or fully forgive somebody who's wronged me? How can I give up all of those years of hatred? Can I give like him? What if he wants me to adopt a needy child or support the Hills Church financially or pick up some missionary or volunteer on a regular basis? Can I sacrifice him no, mo- no matter what it costs? If I'm lying or stealing from others, he's going to want me to become honest. If I'm cheating on my spouse or mistreating my children, he's going to want me to repent and change to become the man or woman he's called me to be. Am I willing to do for him or others what he's willing to do for me? Can I drink from his cup? Oh, what was he willing to do? Well, Matthew chapter 20, verse 17. Let's, let's take a broader look at Matthew 20. As Jesus was going up to Jerusalem, this is before mom makes her request. He took his 12 disciples aside privately and told them what was going to happen. Listen, he said, we're going up to Jerusalem where the son of man, me, him, where the son of man will be betrayed to the leading priests and the teachers of the religious law. They will sentence him to die. They will hand him over to the Romans to be mocked and flogged with a whip and crucified. But on the third day, he will raise from the dead. He was willing to be beaten, publicly humiliated, even die for us. He wasn't just talking about heading into Jerusalem in some nonchalant way, like it was no big deal. He was fully human and he was going to feel the pain of the whip on his back and the nails being driven into his hands and legs. See, the God who knew what it felt like to be worshipped by angels was now going to know the humiliation of hanging naked on a cross. And make no mistake, he didn't want to go. Jesus did not 
want to go to the cross. And he didn't have to go. But he dearly loved us. And he did. And he didn't want to be an attorney without us. Hebrews 12, 1 tells us that to constantly run towards Jesus, to shrug off anything that keeps us from being closer to him. And then in Hebrews chapter 12, verse 2, it says this, we do this by keeping our eyes on Jesus, the champion who initiates and perfects our faith. I should put my eyes on Christ. and I, I say, Lord, you've, you initiated my faith. God, here I am, whatever you want to do with me. Why? Because of the joy awaiting him, he endured the cross, disregarding, another word there is despising the shame. Now he is seated at the right place of honor beside God's throne. See, you were the joy that awaited him. You and I are the reason he endured the cross and suffered the shame. God asked James and John the same question I'm asking you today. Are you able to drink from his cup? Uh, James and John were looking for a place of honor, and indeed they do have an incredible place of honor in the word of God and church history. But in order to get there, it took a lot of sacrifice. It wasn't a given position. It was an earned position. Salvation is free, but looking like Jesus. And earning it can be very costly. They replied, we can. We can. And you know what? They did. James and John went on to be pillars in the early church movement. They refused to stop leading people to Jesus or preaching salvation, no matter who it offended or what it cost them. They continued to heal the sick, to plant churches, and it cost them everything they had on this side of life. James was stoned to death during the persecution of Christians. John was boiled in oil years after this happened. But somehow he managed to live. Can you imagine the scars that were all over him? But he wasn't through living for God. After being boiled, he was banished to an island in Patmos where he went on under the guidance of the Holy Spirit to write the book of Revelation. There are only two literal cups recorded in the Bible that Jesus drank from after that big question. And to be honest, neither of them were cups that anyone would want to drink from. Uh, so I find myself having to drink from those cups. And the Lord asking me if I'm drinking, I'm in. Because saying yes, saying yes to Jesus is where life goes from existing to thriving. Where you leap from enduring to enjoying. Cup number one was at the Last Supper on the night he was betrayed. Matthew 26, when it was evening, Jesus sat down at the table with the twelve. And while they were eating, he said, I'll tell you the truth, one of you will betray me. Cup number two was while he was hanging on the cross to take our punishment for everything we've ever done. John chapter 19, verse 28, Jesus knew the mission was now finished. He's hanging on a cross. And to fulfill scripture, he said, I'm thirsty. And a jar of sour wine was sitting there. So they soaked the sponge in it, put it on a hyssop branch and held it to his lips. When he had tasted, he said, it's finished. Then he bowed his head and gave up the spirit. They were bitter cups filled with betrayal from close friends, sold for 30 pieces of silver. People he had healed and fed yelled, crucify him. During the Roman trial, he was gracious and kind. He was the ultimate sacrifice, and most of the people missed it. But he was on a mission, a mission to pay for our wrongs. Jesus didn't want to go to the cross. He just went anyway. And as he hung on that cross and looked down at the very people who put him there, he said this prayer to his father. Luke chapter 23, verse 33. When they came to a place called the skull, they nailed him on the cross. 
and the criminals were also crucified, one on his right and one on his left, Jesus said, Father, forgive them. I don't know what they're doing. And the soldiers gambled for his clothes by throwing dice. Being a Christian has been one of the greatest joys of my life. I have thousands of friends across the world. I've traveled the world on God's dime. I've seen him answer prayers for me that could only be described as miracles big and small. He's blessed my family. But over the years, it's cost me too. I left a thriving mega church that I loved in a city they loved to move to a backwater village in Poland to plant a church. We've almost never settled down. As soon as, as soon as something was up and thriving, God seemed to call us somewhere else to the next mission. I sold a house we loved and pulled kids out of schools they loved. But oh, the incomparable joy of knowing Jesus has always been way more than any sacrifice I could ever make. Guys, I want 2021 to be an amazing year for you. How? Move closer to God. Nominal Christianity has to go away. I'm encouraging you with all my heart to get more and more serious about your walk with God. To begin to develop a closer relationship with him. Because I am personally telling God that I don't want to endure life. It's become more and more clear to me that the only way to drastically increase joy and peace is to get drastically closer to him. You may need to make, take the first step. You, you, you may not even know Jesus personally. Your step today of walking closer and, and, and stepping into that peace and joy is to simply say, God, I don't even know you, but the best I know how I believe you love me and died on the cross to pay for my sins because that's why he died. He didn't want to go to the cross. He went for you. He went for me because I had all this filth and craziness and stupidity on me, and, and it, was, it was separating for him. And Jesus said, I want to pay for everything you've ever done wrong. I encourage you, if you've never done that first step, just say, Lord, the best I know, I believe you love me and died on the cross to pay for my sins, and I want that payment. If you already know him, take that step where you just go home today and you drop on your knees and say, Lord, what do you want? What does it take? What are the cups you want me to drink? I, I promise you, they are worth drinking from. Father, we love you and worship you and praise you and adore you. King of kings, Lord of lords, gracious God, Savior. Oh, God, we want to enjoy life. We want to thrive. Give us wisdom and courage to move closer to you. For we ask it in Christ's name. Amen. God bless, guys. Thanks for listening.